Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. This is a advanced issue or maybe even a bonus podcast. This one's going to come out a little bit early. We had this podcast recorded a few months back. Uh, I met with Matt Whitesell from 914 Rubber. He was in town for the uh, Vegas Auto Fest that we had here. And because VWs are Porsche 914s, RVWs, I include them in the mix for the podcast that we do. We had a good conversation about uh, starting a private business to manufacture parts that are not available and the evolution of that and how it comes into a business that starts with just a few parts and that has over uh, 600 SKUs. So we talked to Matt. Um, it's a really good podcast, so you guys will enjoy it. I did want to, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up SEMA this week that just passed. This past week at SEMA, I'm sure you guys got to see, there was some crazy stuff going on during the week of SEMA. We're going to get into that next week. So I've got some stuff coming up for next week. Next week, we'll also have the podcast from uh, that we did with Michael from DubFab and Joe from Rustology Garage. So that podcast will drop next week or possibly an early bonus podcast. Who knows? But uh, it's a good one coming up. There's lots of stuff going on. We may need to do an update podcast and get you guys all caught up with the current news and events that are going on in the VW scene. Uh, there's tons of crazy stuff happening right now. Get you guys an update on my split window. Uh, also, if you guys are enjoying the podcast, make sure you share it with a friend and you tag Let's Talk Dubs in any posts you make on any social media and bring some more people to enjoy the podcast. Let them listen to uh, what we get to listen to here on this VW-related topics. Also, I had somebody in the industry that's been an innovator since the 60s reached out to me, have them on the podcast soon. So I'm looking really forward to that one because that's uh, somebody special that's uh, really made, that had a huge impact on the VW scene as a whole. So I'll be excited to bring on that surprise guest in a couple weeks. Man, so much good stuff for you guys. It's, I don't know what to tell you, man. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm loving it. I hope you guys are loving it too. So uh, without any further ado, let's uh, get into some 914 Rubber with Matt Whitesell from 914rubber.com. Later. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. It's me, Bill T, and we had a uh, car here in Las Vegas, and it was the Vegas Auto Fest, and the Vegas Auto Fest was at uh, Red Rock Canyon. There was a lot of pretty cool cars there and things going on, uh, a lot of exotics, Volkswagens, you name it, and it was there. And by chance, uh, through our universal way of communication today, now social media, uh, I uh, ran across... 914 rubber and talking with matt back and forth on instagram and he said he was going to be out here this weekend so i thought hey if you're going to be out here this weekend let's get together to do a podcast so if you guys have 914 and you're looking for parts and pieces nine uh 914 rubbers where you're going to get all those obsolete parts that are not available and so today on the podcast i've got matt white cell with uh 914 rubber matt welcome to the podcast thank you for having me Hey, so um, we talked, like I, like I told our listeners, we originally came across each other on Instagram through social media, and you know, you liking some of my pictures, me checking out what you do, and then back and forth, and I think it was actually the Salt Lake VW Classic where I saw the, the Gulf livery uh, 
914. Mm-hmm. That's an insane car. Larry's car is ridiculous. Yeah, and I saw that car, and I was just like, I was just, just googling and gone about that car and talking to that guy for, oh, geez, probably 30, 40 minutes about his car. My wife's just looking at me like, did you want to go home with this dude? Because you, know, <laughs> you, you know how it is when you come across a car. That's a stunning car. You yeah, know? it is. And by me, once I post those pictures, then you had made some comments, followed along, checked on some of my stuff, liked some of my pictures, and then we talked back and forth, and this event was coming to town and I kind of made a little note like, Hey, I'm going to be at this event. And then you hit me up and said, Hey, maybe we'll get together. And I said, well, if we're going to get together, let's do a podcast. So what we do on the podcast, as you listen to is the, our podcast revolves around Volkswagens and nine fourteens are Volkswagens as much. I think they're, they may be more, more Volkswagen than Porsche. Yeah. But the, the crazy part is even with a nine fourteen, they have, they used to have a website and I think it's still around NARP. I think it was called. Not a real Porsche. NARP. <laughs> a, yes. NARP. Is it NARPM? NARP. NARP. Not yeah. a real Porsche. Yeah, not a real Porsche. And it's it, it, it's what's funny is that the Porsche 914, Porsche VW 914, gets so much flack. It's like the, the red-haired stepchild. Yes. Because it's like you're not, you're not really one of the VW guys, and you're not really one of the Porsche guys. But I think to real enthusiasts, I think real enthusiasts that want – performance on a budget look at that 914 and like that's the car you get so how did you get into this 914 hobby and how like what what's your story as to how you got into this oh it's all nepotism it's all my brother's fault yeah <laughs> when we were kids my brother always had a 914 a 912 uh you know started off with Scirocco's and and boy i want a porsche because that's more performance than the Scirocco and right. 914 and and on and on and and his uh, he had a bug. His roommate had a bug, and I bought the bug from him. And I get the bug, and he's like, "Oh, you got to go to the machine shop and pay for that engine before." Uh, so he gets his bill. I'm like, "What are you talking about? I just bought this car. Where's my engine?" So I never did get to drive that car. Oh, really? So my very first car was a bug. Yeah. And I would sit in the backyard and dream about how cool it would be to drive with that crushed velvet interior and a lowered Gosh. beautiful car with no engine. But I had a stereo, so I could listen to the stereo in the car, and that was my my very first car experience in VW. So, really? Then uh, fast forward quite a few years later, and uh, my brother had, uh, when his kid became 15, they went looking for a father-son project. Mm-hmm. And because the 914s were considered a Volkswagen and not a Porsche for insurance, you know, he was looking when he was a kid, and he could have a muscle car, he could have that, or he could have this Porsche. And so he wanted the Porsche and it, it was considered a three seater because of the hump in the middle of it. Right. So it was a three seater Volkswagen as far as insurance was concerned. And so that made it a lot more affordable than the same price he would have paid for a muscle car in the day. So fast forward to trying to find a car for his kid, they go out and uh, get one and okay, let's start to work on this. Can't find the parts for these things. And how do we, how do we make this work? And, and his kid gets on the, interwebs and finds this uh community called 914 world right and 914 world is one of the things that makes the 914 so special because you hit it on the head they really were the bastard stepchildren because the porsche crowd oh they were made in the volkswagen those are not a real porsche and that's where it came from and then it became this moniker and this badge of honor because yeah 
PCA doesn't want anything to do with these guys. They're just, you know, that's that's a Volkswagen guy. Move along. Yeah, it's not 911. They can't afford the 911s. Exactly. And, you know, same thing with the Volkswagen guys. It's a, the, They think they're beyond us because it's a Porsche. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a Type 4. Right, right. So, and so because of that, they were never really that supported. And Rust, like many of the Volkswagens, was a factory option that started from the minute they were made. And there was, you could pick up another 914 fairly inexpensively and, and have some fun with it. It's the funnest go-kart you've ever been in if you've never driven a 914. Oh, absolutely. And, and and where I think they're more Volkswagen than Porsche is in the adage, what I tell people, if you're out VW hunting and you see one, they're bound to have two because misery loves company. Yes. And, and when you buy a 914, you better buy a second <laughs> one so you can get a part or a piece off it. Uh, some of the things, yeah, he knows us. They're not, not available, because, but that's what happens. Because because they're so affordable, it's like, okay, you'll go pay you know, 100 bucks for, for a, a specific piece that comes on the 914, or you can buy a whole 914 for 500. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like if you've got the space to buy it, most 914 guys have more than one. Yeah, here's the car, where's the parts car? Right. So no, absolutely. So, and so he got into that build to build a father son project with a 914 and then realizes there's no parts available. Where are we going to find them? Son gets on, tries to look something up, comes across 914 world and other people are having the same issues and the parts that are out there are just garbage and, and way too much money for them. It's just JC Whitney leftovers. Yeah. And, and people just making garbage. Yeah. But, you know, to be fair, it's a really good car as a $2,000 car. Yeah. Right? So it's not something that has to be for the Concorde. It has sure. to be, let's make it work. Driver. So, and at the time, my brother is, his, his day job is he's a pilot. And he works, for, he's a, a captain, or he's a pilot for Alaska. Mm-hmm. And he did that on his own. He didn't go through the military, built up his own hours. So he would do flight instruction, and then he eventually did, um, like, postal um, stuff. He would do, um, I can't even think today. Yeah, I'm just tired from so. the whole weekend. Yeah. So he'd fly little planes into little airports and deliver packages and things like that. And then um, built up his hours. But he it was never like a real full-time thing. So he had to have a day job. And one of the day jobs was be helping with the engineering of, um, aluminum and glass railing projects. So when they're on this, this board talking about it and everybody needs the same parts, like this part I got was, was garbage. I could make this. Right. Oh yeah. If you can make it, I'll buy it. I need one of those. Well, we all need one of those. I'll take one. I'll take one. Exactly. So it's like, Oh, okay, I'll give it a try. So he makes this part and everybody just goes nuts. Wow. This is better than the factory. Can you make this? And that's where the slippery slope went downhill from there, I guess. So it started it started with that. And then he was like, well, I, you know, I'll sell these on eBay. And then like, well, you know, let me kind of put a little more into this and more into to where now. How many products do you guys offer now? Over 680. Over 680 products we, you guys offer. We make more parts for the 914s than anybody. Really? And mm-hmm. it's been over how long of a span? About 15 years. About 15 years. Yeah. And you guys have been going after a market that it's like 15 years ago, someone who told you you, were, you weren't very bright for going after the 914 market. I told him that. <laughs> and, but, but interestingly enough, year after year, they get more and more expensive. They get more and more sought after. And I think production was 116,000 of them total mm-hmm. over the, uh, was it five years they made them? Mm-hmm. And six. So, yes, technically six, six years. And, you know, they are, they were replaced by the, by the rabbit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a replacement because, you know, Porsche wanted a, a, an inexpensive car and the, the mid-year Pusa and VW, they were replaced by the Rabbit. 
and Porsche was replaced by the 924. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, that was the top end on the VW side and then the bottom end on the Porsche side. But because it was kind of th- th- this real kind of different mid, mid-level deal, um, you find them in the most unique places and it's, it's hard to, to, to find places that support those things. So now that you guys are out there supporting it and here you are 15 years later and they've just continued to keep going up and up and up in value. Mm-hmm. And based on that, I wanted to get into a little bit of 914 hunting, right? So if you're hunting 914s, what are some, what's the most desirable year to find of a night? Now we're not, we're not saying 914 sixes because everybody knows the 914 six is ultimately the, the ultimate. Well, the 916 probably the ultimate, but yeah. But yeah, good luck. One There's of, one of yeah. eleven. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, on the nine fourteen, regular nine fourteen <clears throat> scale. So let, so somebody maybe wanting a bug, super beetle, or maybe thinking a nine fourteen. Um, best years to get or what? Uh, there's there's a debate about which is the best year. Some people say seventy three. Some people say seventy four. Uh, when the nine fourteens first came out, they were blasted because they were underpowered. So they had a, a strong 1.7 case, and it was a lot of fun to drive. But it was they they still had the 911 that they wanted to produce, and they didn't want to make this thing outperform the flagship. And right. so it was based on the same concept of you got a mid-engine car in the 70s with um, disc brakes. I mean, there's a lot of features that that were pretty cutting edge for the time, and if you had that thing have as much power as they were starting to build them out as right. they way outperformed the 911s the 916s are the example of that if that car had gone into production it was the fastest car Porsche had produced at the time and it had the best performance for the street cars oh absolutely so you're doing 145 as in a factory car that would have been for the street yeah and they weren't coming anywhere close to that but it's uh, it's a car that the 73 and the 74 was when 73 was when they went to a two liter motor. Mm-hmm. So that's the one where people want that a little bit more horsepower. In. So 73 2.0 is like the idea, like it's still the early mm-hmm. it's before the heavy bumpers mm-hmm. and it's the two liter. Yeah. I mean, ultimately a 70 with a nice stroked, you know, two liter 2.2, something like that's going to be, I personally prefer the 72, a hot rod. And what makes you want the 72 the most? What, what makes the 72 most desirable to you? it really comes down to purpose. What do you want the car for? Do you mm-hmm. want the car for Concord and what I'm going to have for value? That's a different question. It's the car for what do I think is the best car? The assumption was, is that when we started making these parts, well, the part or the car that my brother had to model off of was a later car. It was like a 75. So looking at the part, okay, let's figure out how this is made and what the shape of it is. Okay, we'll make it this way. Figuring that by the time they got to 75, they probably had figured out what the problems were with the earlier parts. Yeah, just worked it out. And worked it out. Mm-hmm. So this is the evolved part that should be the best part made. And the reality of it is, is the economics of the day and the exchange rates and what was happening and the fact that the cars were starting to get forced to have emission controls mm-hmm. and safety factors like safety bumpers and things like that, that added to the cost of the car. But it wasn't something that necessarily the customers were willing to pay any more for. 
So right. they, once the value was established on the 914, that was it. You that was it. Couldn't squeeze any more money out of a buyer. Yeah. So now you've got a car that, yeah, because if you're squeezing any more out of them, all of a sudden, uh, I'll just get the 911. Yeah, exactly. And so what they had to do to offset that is they had to find ways to save money. So some of the later parts that are on the cars are not the good parts. You'll look at, at simple things like the alternator cooling boot that comes from the fan shroud to the alternator. Right. You look at the early one, early part, it's a nice stout part. It has a retaining clip in there. It's a good part. You look at the later models, and all of a sudden, this thing is like a third of this is missing. It's It's been put in the dryer, and it shrank, and it's it's nowhere near as good a part. And those are the things you don't really know until you start digging in and, and doing a restoration of the car and touching every part of the, on the car. Mm-hmm. And so what my experience was I didn't have the car background. So when my brother brought me in to try and help, like, I don't know that much about cars. I like driving cars. That's, that's one thing, but wrenching on them was, was another thing. And what all these parts are, I've got no idea. So for me, it was, I'm going to get a car and I'm going to do a restoration on it. And I'm going to figure these things out. And 914 world had a, 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 they were doing a a build off challenge every year. So, okay, we're going to start one year. You got one year to get your car fixed up, put on the road, running and driving. It has to be done by 914. So I have this 914 that I'm already kind of in the middle of. And a lot of that was where everybody was at. So a little motivation to help each other get the cars done and get support from each other. Totally. And so I started on this car and I had it painted by a body shop. So I don't know that skill. Uh, My son was going to, to college at the time for that. So he did a lot of the work on that. And then we had it painted by a master painter. And I get the car back, and now I got the issue that here's this shiny car. I can't put this dirty part back on this car. Nope. So all of a sudden, I end up going deeper and deeper while you're in there, while you're in there, mm-hmm. and putting all the different parts on it. And the beautiful thing was is that the guy I was doing the assembly in his barn, his day job is working at Rothsport Racing. And Rothsport oh, Racing really? does a lot of the race prep for incredible cars. Yeah. Um, they're, in fact, right now, they're they're prepping for the Nora 500 that'll happen here in a couple of weeks down at Baja. Nice. And uh, so that barn is five minutes from my house. It's like 45 minutes from his house. Yeah, that's So nice. for me, I can just go down there. We got all these other cars, 914s, that if I've got a question, I can look at all of our other cars that our wives maybe don't know about that are sitting around. And, uh, okay, the 70 had this, the 72 had this, the 75 had this, figuring out where the difference were and how yeah. it goes on. And has this thing been bastardized by a previous owner? Is that what's really supposed to be in there? So it was a great educational process for me, and that's just how I learn is putting my hands on things and touching it. And, and so- when I get stuck, I'd say, Carrie, how do I do this? Yeah. And I could learn, so that was great. And then, what was so? What car is that? Is that you still have that car? That is the '72. So it ended up winning the build-off challenge. It probably should have been a TV show at the end of it. That's oh, just really? the drama of how it went down. But a lot of drama in the uh, build-off. Well, there's always been drama in a build-off challenge because everybody wants to change the rules. Not that it was just killing my, almost killing myself, literally trying to get it done by 9:14. Yeah. Is, now, is it on your guys' website? Um, there. Probably should be a story on there, but I've, I've got pictures on it in Instagram. There's a whole build thread on it on 914 World. Some of the pictures that you'll see um, on the website have parts installed on, on the red car. So any of the red car with parts hanging off of it was something taken from my, my original build install. Nice. And so um, so you built that car. That was a big, so, nine, so September 14th is a pretty big day for 914 guys. Yeah. And they usually try to have something around that time somewhere, somehow to... Yeah 
celebrate 914 day. Yep. And so 914 world is where everybody's kind of getting together and talking with each other and helping each other out. And so different regions, because people obviously aren't going to drive all the way across country, except for an idiot like me, figured that, okay, Octinerfest is the biggest event and it's in Georgia at the time or North Carolina. So I'm going to have this car done by that date and I'm going to tow my car out and I'm going to reveal it out there and it's going to be cool. So this is my motivation for quite a long time. So as I get closer to this, you know, the parts pile just keeps getting a little smaller, a little smaller, a little smaller. And I'm, and I'm making it take way longer than it needs to because that whole shiny car and dirty part thing, Mm -hmm. I'm way over restoring this car. Well, and lack of plan in the beginning. Like if you knew you were going to take it to that level, you could have had all the stuff prepped and primed and ready to go by the time the car got out of the paint shop, did did an assembly versus like, oh, let's restore the A-arms now. You know what I mean? Or whatever we're doing. Yeah. And so I, I think that, What's great about the Volkswagens and, and the 914s is that they're very, you know, attainable cars. They're things that we're all pretty handy and we can work on these things and figure these things out. And I know that's been a repeating theme in the show is that yeah. it, that's what one of the things that brings us together. And there, for me, I've done a lot of other things in my life. I had a business out. I did mortgage brokerage and I would do, you know, things like that. So you would have this mental you know, problem that you could fix one day, come back the next day and it's broken again. You got to fix it all over again. So doing something physical and working on a car and having that satisfaction of it's complete. Yeah. It's done now. That was pretty addictive for me. So that, that's where it kind of started. And, and yeah, they're, the cars are ready when they're ready and not when you're ready. And that was something I had to learn along the way, but I had a lot of really good mentors and a lot of really good help and a lot of support from 914 world. And that, that, that spirit of, Helping each other out is the whole reason why we do this. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, with with VWs, 914s, Super Beetles, I mean, you start segmenting any model line and then, you, I mean, you, it gets to the point where even the bus guys are three or four different groups, you know, the barn doors, the split windows, the bay windows, the early bays, the late bays, you know, and so because of that, be, because of that natural separation, it, it creates this sense of camaraderie between the people that are, eggs out on the same island you like the 914 guys or Mm -hmm. these guys and ultimately you know part of my purpose of the podcast is to unite the entire community because we're all we're we're all kind of brothers to some degree brother and sisters and some sisters out there too Mm -hmm. but i mean we're all connected through car family yeah through through the car family so it's like different different chevrolets if you will Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so um I, i think it's great that you see the same camaraderie on the 914 forums that you see on the Super Beetle forums and you see on the early bus forums or whatever the case is. And I think that's really a, a key Volkswagen thing. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, the 914s are badged as Porsche, but it is, it is heart and soul. It's, it's a Volkswagen community. And, and, and also I think when you're, when you're looking at, I think more 914 guys are going to be hands-on guys than 911 guys. Yes. I think by a long shot, yeah. you know, because 9, 911s were already expensive to begin with, and so people, it, it was in their natural tendency to take the car to get serviced. Yes, and you hit it on the head. That's, I preach this, but why the cars are, what's happening with the value of the cars now, and what's happening with the level of work that's being done on these things is, you know, forever, if the nicest car you can get is $2,000, and you're looking at, oh, I screwed it up. Well, it's going to cost me $5,000 to fix that, or I can buy another one for 2000 bucks. I buy another one for 2000 bucks. Right. And I got a parts car, right? Yeah. So as the values have gone up, now you're starting to see our customer base is a lot of shops now, and it was just the individual. 
And so having something that is is going to have that value at the end of it that they can justify spending that money on, the level of the builds are going way up. And and there's some really incredible builds like the one you mentioned that, that Larry has oh in, in Salt Lake. If so, he doesn't have 80 or 90 grand that car, I'm if that's not a six-figure car, I'm surprised. I mean, that car is... I mean, that car is nice. Yeah. So know. that was built by um, Eric, our good friend Eric Shea at PMB mm-hmm. in uh, Sandy, Utah. And so. PMB, does he do the brake restorations? Correct. I talked to him. He's got the, he was on uh, the Leno's show yeah. Yeah. with the 914, and I happened to be at the Salt Lake VW Classic two years ago. And I actually want to get him on the podcast to talk about brakes because his, his specialty is rest- restoration of brake setups. Mm-hmm. And I just want to talk to him about the you know the detail of what it takes to go to into a set of brakes because it's just like anything else in the vw scene you can go i could do a whole podcast on the different jacks that came with the cars from the factory because early late the wind the twist the all the different the the styles and types because there was so much variation and vw was constantly a company of improvement like Mm -hmm. constantly changing things and, and 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 that uniqueness and their efficiency um, by not wasting things also came out with these oddball things where there's like on the single cab, it's like this 1960 single cab has like a, they call it the bastard 40 horse motor where it's a 36 slash 40 horse motor and it's a 40 horse case, 36 internals. And then there's also uh, the 50, the 53 Zwitter where it was the split window, the split window roof with the oval dash, mm-hmm. you know? And so with brakes or 914s, all that stuff, there's, there's, all through the model runs, they'll, okay, we're going to use the rest of this parts bin and then we'll switch to the new part. So you may have a 72 with some 71 parts on it and think somebody changed it, but it could very well be factory. So, Yeah, and a lot of it was the vendors and the availability of the parts yeah. and just the economics of the day. Well, and it also, it also adds to the uniqueness. You know, when people start splitting hairs about what makes their car unique than another car, you know, it, it's there's a lot of that in it, which is really unique because you see that in the same with the type with the type 34 gears that I have. They made those from six years in the six year span. They made them. There was all kinds of changes, all kinds of little minute things. And there's so many undocumented changes. Yeah, that's the crazy part, you yeah. know, because you would think of VW having so much. Um, such a history of doing that stuff. It takes so much work to catalog all that and figure out what serial number those things change because I've got a book. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I know. <laughs> I, I mean, I have a book on buses where it literally, in one year, there'll be 50 changes on a bus mm-hmm. from 1960 to 61. But to have a book that actually explains that is gold. Well, yeah, and and, well, and, and who knows the validity of it, but the guy that, that uh, David Eccles, I think, is the guy that did the book. Mm-hmm. And he has the history. I mean, you, I mean, you could spend three hours just looking at little researches to where you know, this or that happened, but that's, I mean, you know, it's one of the things I, I like as well about the hobby because it makes things, even when they're not, um, when they're not super unique, it makes them unique, you know? Well, it, it's, it's a lot of the stuff that is not even apparent. So we started doing steering rack restorations. Right. And so the steering rack for the 914 goes into the 911s, 930s. It goes into a lot of different models. It's the same steering rack. Yeah. So there's the no, ZF rack. No longer rack. available to no longer available rack. Pretty much, there is a aftermarket version of something out there that's very expensive, um, and a lot of the parts that we've done have started off with we 
we need a fix for something. What's the solution to the problem? So we do a steering rack restoration service. So anything that wears out inside of them, we've remanufactured. So then we hone them to each individual rack and polish them and do a whole restoration. It's not just a rebuild where we're turning the puck that it's, sure. it's a big deal. So we start to get into this thing and we've been through hundreds of racks now. And the amount of undocumented changes from one rack to the next, you would just, it's just unbelievable. You open up and it's like, what the hell's in this one? The assumption is that they're all the same. Vendor was out of parts. I guess they sent them down to the hardware store and got some of these and threw them in there. It's like, did the previous owner do this? No, this car has never, that's never been touched. So it's, it's pretty interesting to start to get into these things and find these little. No, it's cool. So. Now you've you guys started off doing rubber parts, and now you guys are doing a lot of the machine stuff, the made parts and pieces. And what wh- what's been the um, in the process of coming up with these parts? What was like the first? What was the biggest deal you guys came up with early on? Like the, like no one ever made this, and it's so great. And now you look at it and think like, man, we've come so far in technology and manufacturing from there. I'll have to have my brother come back and do the show to to really give you insight to that. I always give him a hard time. It's like he's got ADD. He's never seen a part he didn't want to make. Yeah. Right. And because it's all community support, um, not a lot of people don't realize that are starting to come into the scene now and, and see 914 rubber. This is a service project for us. We do this to help the community and, and we need these parts on our cars. So we start making these things that we hopefully everybody else needs. And that's thankfully been the case. But the support from that, we'll have people that have skill sets way beyond us that'll step up and help us out. Yeah. So guys that do real brake systems um, helped us do master cylinders. So these are way beyond us. I've never touched a brake stuff in a million sure. years, but these guys individually test all these things. These are awesome. Um, so Mark's genius is he'll look at it and, and he just understands different levels of production and ke- even chemistry and, and you know, why would you use this material versus that material? That's just freakish. Um, so he'll look at a problem and say, well, those master cylinders are always a pain in the ass to put on the, on the car because you're underneath there, you're trying to get this in there and you can never get it to seat. Well, we're going to do an easy install kit. So we'll thread these things on there. We'll make it so that you can just use hose clamps and put them on there. It's not a pressurized thing anyway. So it's those little, those little changes. So everything from brakes to even other models. So like the, the Boxsters and the 997s have LCD screens in the, um, the, the HVAC controls for the heating and air conditioning mm-hmm. that will always get this half moon of death is what they call it because sure. the screen delaminates. So if you go buy that part, it's a $900 part. So we have, we're right by Intel. So we've got some pretty talented people up there that wanted to help us out. And so they helped us figure out uh, an LCD screen replacement. So you can go in and here's the instructions on how to do it. And you can replace this thing for 60 bucks instead of 900 like, oh, bucks. Yeah, that's an easy fix. Just do X, Y, and Z. But meanwhile, Porsche says, well, if you want to do that, you got to buy the whole piece. And we don't sell that. We sell the unit. Yeah. There's not a part number for the piece. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's and and the the great thing about the it being a community a community uh, supported you know project is that you get the demand of what's what's being needed, and then you can get into the, once you deal with the logistics of having the part manufactured and then pr- producing a hundred of them to get the cost down to make them sellable, and the rest you can chalk up for inventory that's that's a good it's a good way to help the community and also to have some backstock to start building a catalog of inventory what at this point now when you guys are doing this what what's the process you guys go through to make stuff is everything that you make and manufacture done here locally 
Um, it's done everywhere or do you, because do you there's so many different overseas or wherever? we do some things overseas that make sense to so do like overseas. The, I would assume the rubber you do overseas. No, the rubber's done here. We do domestic. Really? We do have a couple of pieces that we have done um, internationally, but almost all of the rubber stuff is domestic. That's awesome. So, yeah. and I, and I'm assuming technology of rubber is different today, correct? Than it was back then. Is it more pliable and durable, or is some it, of it you can't is get one without the other? I mean, what's what's the no. challenge with with different blends, parts? different blends, and different things that they use? So the, they would use seals that would retain water, and so the outer door seals on the cars, where it's a, tra- a track that's going to get wet, can actually hold water and can cause rust. Cause rust. Sure. So we have a new formulated version of it that when you put these things in and slam that door, you get a nice thud which these cars, you know, you slam a Volkswagen door, you don't get a thud. Right. And so they got a nice tight seal. Um, they're easy to install and it's just different materials. So it's making those improvements to figure out what's the right, um, durometer, the hardness of the rubber and what's the right rubber to use. Um, and just different techniques for putting it together. So, and on the development side, are you guys able to go, go into the manufacturer and say, you know, factory made it like this. If we made this one millimeter longer, it would give a little more of an overlap, give it a little tighter seal, a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys, you guys are able to do things like that too. Yeah. yeah. So we've got some engineering that gets done and we can go in and specify we want this or that, or let's figure out how to do this. And we've got a, a pretty good resource pool of, of people that help us out. Um, and we pay for a lot of, of things that, you know, we get them in there and figure out what's right and what's wrong and, and how to improve on it. And we've got a lot of parts that we've made for 15 years. And when those cars weren't worth that much, it was, let's make it work. Now that the values are coming up, a lot of the things that we're doing is let's go and make this better. What can we do to improve this? Or how do we show people how to, how to figure out what's the tricks to this? So as we start to get into, um, as I did that restoration, I was taking tons of pictures and some video and things like that, that, my hope is to try and get some um, things that I can share out there to make it easier for other people to be able to work on this. Because it's still the community that, hey, how do I do this? Oh, do this, do that. Um, it, that'll help them to do it. But I want to try and share what I've learned um, with the other people. Because I was you know, a guy that would work in an office. And now I'm working with my hands and doing these things. It's just a whole joy that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, getting to those levels of marking it off. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we all have the ability to do that. And, and once people are able to do that, then they start to experience that joy. And then, you know, it just kind of goes from there. And the, the fear of, I, I don't think I can do this. I don't know. I don't, too many people that have worked, haven't worked on their car that went and looked for a YouTube video. Oh, well, that guy can do it. Right. Right. So I'm that guy. Well, now yeah, <laughs> if you, I can do it, well, you then they can definitely do it. We're, we're similar in age. And, and you look at when we were, when we were in our twenties working on stuff, there was no YouTube to go to, to figure out mm-hmm. how to do something. It was like, if you, like, if you got the courage to go buy the part and then like, okay, I don't have a welder. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't even know what, I, you know what? And it just sits and then it just gets sold. And now I think with the advantage that, that, that we have today is you can take on things that you normally wouldn't do because of the internet and you're looking at, you know what, that's not that hard. I, I need this part. I need that piece. And you can watch what somebody does. If you know, they're able to put together a video that's watchable and you don't want to just bash your head in the wall after watching thing for five minutes. Mm-hmm. But, um, I do see that here on your website, I was looking at your website and one of the things I noticed here is like you sell, which I thought is pretty unique, like a complete rubber package. Mm-hmm. Um, what I thought was cool about a complete rubber package is when people are restoring a car, it's like, 
people nickel and dime themselves without knowing it and they buy like, oh, I'm just going to get a door seal and then those are good enough and this is good enough and then two years later the 35-year-old the door seal finally collapses or 42-year-old door seal finally collapses and it's like with the price here for, because like, on your website right now I'm looking, it's like 800 bucks for early complete rubber kit. Like if you're buying a 914 Dragon, because the, here in the, on the West Coast, I mean, the drug, all the rubber shot, period. Mm -hmm. It's all dried up and shot. Mm -hmm. And if you're buying a car that's straight and decent and you're, that's kind of the scariest thing. You know, when you're pulling a car apart, you're like, oh, I'll try to save this window scraper and save this and save that. And it's, sometimes you spend more time trying to save stuff that you mm -hmm. can just get new. And it's got to be a real relief to the community so that people know that they can buy a 914, strip it down, send it out, have it painted, and they can buy all the brand new stuff. And mm -hmm. really looking at it, it, it looks like, that's pretty cheap, eight hundred bucks for all the brand new rubber for that. I mean, that's where this becomes a service project. Yeah, and yeah, we've had a lot of people tell us you're nuts. You need to sell this stuff for more, and it's really trying to help everybody to be able to do this stuff, and in turn get that support back from everybody. There's very few running, driving good cars out there that don't have our parts on them, from what I've found, um, and then and what everybody has told me from every show that I've ever gone to, and the support that we get out there. So. The, the list of parts that are on there in the kit, that's something that um, my brother had put, put together quite a while ago. The, when I came on to try and help um, figure out what are we doing with this company that's in his garage and his neighbor's garage and the buddy's garage and that guy's shop and all over the place, getting it under one roof and then trying to go in and, and look at um, how do we create a proper catalog with this stuff. Because you kind of touched on it earlier. It was like, okay, you made a part and then what? Sell it on eBay. So that's exactly how he did it to begin with is they would make a part and it was a conversation that was on 914 World. And okay, I want one. I want one. I want one. And then once the part was made, then he would send out, okay, it's done. So here, send me my money. And then he would start getting also, PayPal. And okay, yeah. so that's the automation. PayPal takes the money now. He doesn't wait for a check. And then the progression was, um, how do I how do I automate this? Because I've got it. I'm working. I can't do all this stuff. So he put together, quote unquote, a website. Mm -hmm. So when I came on and I looked at his website, it was. I'm sure he watched a Danica Kirkpatrick video during the Super Bowl and yeah. said, "Oh, let's Go make ahead. a website." And he created a website that had a shopping cart to it that would kind of automate some of that process. Right. Right. So this this process of Hey, I'm going to make one of these. Okay, we're going to call it the 914 RTS, right? And and it's the rear target seal, and and you'll be able to buy it on the site. This is how much it's going to be. This is what's going to be special about it, and then you can buy it when you're ready. So then they would go to the website, and he would put together. You know, he's home. It's three o'clock in the morning, and he's got a, a few minutes, so he's typing up the description of it, taking a picture of it, and throwing it up on the website. And this goes on for years. Right, so I come on and I and I'm looking at this website and I'm like, "Are you in crack? You can't even spell. What you're taking pictures of parts on your driveway, and there, what's this part number? Right. And at this point, we're starting to sell stuff internationally. Well, God forbid you're a German guy trying to use Google to translate and you didn't spell it right to begin with, and there's no part number and no no description, and it's what is that picture of? I don't quite get this. So, the process of trying to learn what's the right, right description for these? What is the part number? What years does it fit? What years does it not fit? Where all the variation is where I came in to try and do this stuff. So doing the restoration in the car was a big way for me to discover what some of those things were. So did you guys start defaulting to using factory part numbers? We did. 
so we've got part pack or factory part numbers in there and we've worked very hard over the past few years to get to a site that is searchable and has a search feature that actually works and you can look up a part number and we've got exploded diagrams but like anything else there's there's a lot of brain damage that goes into figuring these things out and sometimes it's it's two steps forward and five steps backward which was what my week was this week yeah we tried to uh, add a, another feature to the website to make it a little bit easier for things to work and it wiped out all of the category association or half the category association. So you go in and look for a part and it's like, I know they used to make this and it's, you know, there's 680 parts. You could find 200 parts on the site. Right. It's like, what in the, and now you got to figure out that. So get aware of the hat of the IT guy and the web guy and the marketing guy and the, you know, so. You know, that's the, the, that's the struggle of the, of what you're doing because it's, it's, it's not big enough where it can support a huge staff. So you got to, when you're the, guy coming up the parts description you're also the it guy you're the web guy you're the social media guy you're the everything guy and it's sometimes a struggle because like you said you'll make one minor adjustment to your store and then all of a sudden there's no no more association because you didn't know putting a colon somewhere threw everything off you don't know what you don't know (laughs) yeah right so it's it's kind of a struggle and and from that standpoint that's more the way the businesses are going i mean i built my own website for let's talk dubs i built websites before and every time i built a website it was with a different software interface or pre-made uh, deal and, and, things. and everybody comes to you and says i can do it that's the tricky part because as you're going forward in this business expanding this business and doing this the platforms are changing you're feeling my pain <laughs> yeah and you're trying and you're just trying to figure yeah. out what's the best platform yeah to do that and and you know if you ask i give the same analogy as a contractor i would be talking to my guys and i'm self-taught in spanish but I would sit in a room full of my guys and be like, hey, guys, how do you say this in Spanish? And I'd have five guys from five different Latin American countries, and all of them would tell me a different way to say the same word. And it's the same thing with computer guys. If you say, like, you know, you're building this, and everybody's – and the great thing about this, the industry that we're in today and the, the ability for everybody to reach out and connect is – People give you their opinion right away, unsolicited or not. And they're like, oh, you know, I could make your website this much better and this, 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 and this. And you should do this. And you should use this. And you should use that PHP and this, this, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, um, oh, who's this guy? Let me take a look at what he's up to. I can't find anything about this guy. Well, what website do you have? Like, I don't really have a website, but I've got a lot of good information from you. But those same, you ask five guys, what would be the best way to, pr- to provide this so you could purchase something? And five guys will give you five totally different answers for the same question. Well, and it's a little more than that. It's that you can hire somebody to do the tech side of it, but you can't hire somebody to do the content side of it. You still have to have what your product is, what your idea is, what your vision is that is, that populates that. Yeah. And that's very much what our issue was. If you had somebody, okay, I'm going to hire this guy that does the nose computers and it's a, it's a 914 RTS. Okay, what is the right part number for that? What does it fit? What's the right description for it? Because this misspelled description here, I'm sure that's not what Porsche called it. Mm-hmm. So, and what is the right name? And there's, you know, the whole uh, different variations of the naming uh, of the parts. So we, there's the slang for the part that everybody calls it. It's the strut tap. Scrut, uh, I can't even talk now. Strut tower. Strut tower cap. Right. Oh, no. It's the witch hats. Yeah, like witch hats, yeah. Right? So it's, you know, there's a million parts like that. And now if we're talking about different regions, is it the trunk? Is it the boot? Is it the fender? Is it the wing? Is it the, you know, all these different varieties of different things. So you can really get carried away with how far you go. And there was so much information 
I always say it was drinking from the fire hose, you know, trying to take in all this information because my brother's been doing it his whole life and he knows all this stuff. So, hey, Mark, what is this? So what I hear, you know, it's like bolt, screw, what? I have to see it. I have to touch it. I have to feel it. I know like once I understand where it goes, right. then I can do a description. This is the part that you need for this purpose, and here's where it goes, and here's the trick about getting it in there, that kind of thing. Well, because ultimately, you know, you could be the the most tech savvy guy that it does, and the, the grandmaster of nine fourteens. If you can't convey it to a guy who's just a backyard guy building the car in his garage, and he doesn't know the special vernacular that's used, the witch hat or whatever, the guy could just could be looking for the strut tower bolt cover. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if if he can't find it, then mm-hmm. you know you're doing a disservice to the to the community because you're not able to be able to get people parts that they're looking for. So mm-hmm. it's a tough battle to try to 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 be able to get it in there under the description and then put also the other keywords that will make it pop up. Like people, a lot of people maybe maybe don't see from the other side, from the consumer side what it takes to put one product online and to be able to have it cross-referenced and found associated with other parts that might be bought with. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a whole, it's like a huge tree yeah. with a bunch of branches on it that, that it's all going to come down to the trunk and getting all that to work together. So, um, I mean, you guys got a huge website on here with, with a ton of parts and like just the, my head spinning, just looking at catalog and all this stuff. And it's like, I think it's like breaking out of prison, like one spoon a day of yeah. dirt out of your it's pocket, kinda, just yeah. goes on the yard and yeah. tomorrow's one more spoon. And it's like little by little, but by time, by time you're done, listen, maybe in your lifetime, you'll have it all done, but uh, it's like a car. It's never really done. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, there's, there's a ton of stuff on here. Now, like the, the Bosch rotor, they still make that part or you guys having to have that remade the, the, the one with the rev limiter in it. So, 90% of the parts, probably 95% of the parts that are on the site are our parts that we make. Really? And then we've started, once I did the restoration on the car, the thing that was the hardest for me is I'm out in this barn. So if I need a part, I've got to stop everything mm-hmm. and I got to go get this part. And for me, my I don't have enough time in the day to do half of the stuff I need to do. So if I've allocated this time to go and work on the car and here's what I'm going to do. And I think I'm going to make some progress tonight because I'm going to, fix the, everything in the door. And I get in there and I realize I don't have the bolt for this or the screw for that or, you know, and now I can't complete the project because it's there. So now what we're trying to do is now that the individual parts that we make are there, what else do I need while I'm in there? So we're starting to try and stock those things that go along with it. So you can actually complete the project. We're not trying to be the be all end all. This is where we're not Napa. We're not, we're not going to have everything in there, but what we're trying to do is to try and make kits that make sense to go together as projects for now I can complete that task that I'm trying to do. And then this is how I do it because that is really what I needed. And so I, we're doing it based on, we think this is cool. So we do this. We think this is what you're going to need. So we do this. And then we take feedback from people and, and you're right. Everybody has their, their advice of, we should do it this way. Um, just like what's the, what's the most valuable car? Well, it depends on what you want. Right. And so there's, there's always a million different ways to do it. And we started doing our website. I looked at it and said, I want to have the exploded diagram type images so we can look at it and say, it's this, it's, it's the Farfrig Nugent. What's the Farfrig Nugent? Yeah. I think part number nine. That works. I I think that's the best way at times to do, you know, to do the breakdown of like when you're looking for that part or piece, because the exploded views are so valuable because you might be taking it apart in your, in your garage and not know what, 
something is, but being able to, you know, look at an exploded view diagram is so helpful, especially <coughs> when, and then like this image we're looking at now, this fuel tank, is it the highlighted item is the only piece that you carry or is this? Now that's part of what's killing me. That should have a few more parts in there that are not showing up. Um, but, but it's a whole ordeal just to, just to highlight this image. That's, that yeah. was probably a PDF that you took from, the, from a shop manual. And we had these images redone. So going through and trying to make these the correct images and, and, and then make every part a clickable link. They're not clickable. So it's, it's, that's where it is. And we're not that savvy. Eventually when we get all the content in there, then we can save some money up and, and get somebody smarter than us to yeah. make things better and easier to, to use. But one of the things that was really interesting is my brother was very proud of the fact that the way that he had the catalog laid out made sense to him. Mm -hmm. And it was easier to find things. And we built this new site out and we kept people having people go back to the old site. It's like, I knew where to find it on the old one. I want that. Right. So we ended up having to build that navigation into the new site. So it's like, okay, that's where I'm going to find it. Okay, whatever works for you. Um, but it's a learning process. And, you know, right now, this week has been pretty miserable and realizing that we missed all of a sudden the sales just go flat and it's like what's happening well all half of our parts aren't on the website and people can't find what they need or it thinks oh, that they're out of stock or it's there but it won't let them put it in the cart it's like you're killing me so yeah no there's uh, i mean what you know when you're when you're building a car you know there's a couple thousand parts to put that car together mm -hmm. so you guys are and, still and where do i start and what do i need yeah and where do, yeah so um, where do you see the future of the 914 stuff going? I mean, what's your opinion based on how long you've been around in the scene and seeing what's going on with prices and parts and cars? What do you see happen with the 914 scene? It was pretty interesting about, I go down to LA quite a bit and I was down a few years ago for the lit and toy meet, um, which is a literature show mm -hmm. and people get together for the swap meet and come from all around the world for the swap meet to, to, to do this, this. The was it like a Stoddard Stoddard Brothers or something like that? No, uh, Stoddard Chuck Stoddard was uh, the, the first Porsche dealership in the United was it States. Dunkel Brothers, the one they used to have back in the day. This, I mean, I'm going back like ten years, but oh, for the literature show, it yeah. Stoddard bought it a few years ago, okay. so it, it has changed hands. Uh, but the the event is something that people come to, and since their people are coming to it, a lot of the real high end shops down there would have open houses. So it's not just about going to the swap meet. It's about, you know, the next day there's a there's another swap meet and a car show. Um, but leading up to that, you get to go to all these different really cool high-end high end shops. And so they had, when Stoddard took it over, they set up a bus tour for them rather than trying to drive around L.A. So they would actually kind of cater to it. So you'd get to get on the bus and go to these places. It was pretty interesting because I'm going down and I'm just trying to learn everything I can. So I want to see what's the Porsche scene about. What are, what are the variations? I couldn't name the different and models walking, or anything. Are you walking in blind? I'm walking in blind, right? You're so, walking in blind as the 914 guy. And you're like, there's something guy. on my face? Yeah. How come everybody gives me this dirty look when I'm like, uh, And oh, I got like a 914 logo or a shirt on or something. Yeah, I'm a Porsche guy too. 914, like, you are not a real Porsche guy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know what that accent was. but Actually, it was, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm pretty tired and rummy. That's when my accents start coming out. So it could get interesting here. The uh, the really cool thing was is a lot of 356 guys. Yeah. And because a lot of the shops that they're going to down there, they just do the early 911 mm -hmm. shops and the 356 shops. And the feedback that I started getting from it, they're like, 914s, huh? What, what, what do you like about the 914s? I get on my soapbox and it's like, the community. This yeah. is everybody helping each other out. And I get off on helping and, you know, 
being valuable to people. I think we're all kind of wired that way that, you know, you want to be able to have recognition, not necessarily recognition, but you want to be able to have, be able to add value to something. Sure. And so I'm talking about how the community will give the shirt off their back to help each other out. And the 356 guys are going, yeah, that's, that's, that's really how the 356s used to be. Because when they, the 911 came out, they were the bastard stepchildren too. Yeah. They're not a 911. They're just an old 356. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were, weren't very well supported either. So they had to help each other out to keep the thing going. So these guys are like, yeah, I really miss that. That's how the 356s used to be. Then the values got out of control and it's just, it's a different thing now. I'm going to, I'm going to get a 914. Yeah. Sorry to me to talk over there, but that was, that was the comment. I'm going to get a 914. Two guys on that bus that day get on their phone. They're looking through Craigslist. One buys one on the bus. Another guy sets up a thing to go to go see one and ultimately did buy that. Yeah. I think that's kind of where it started to turn. Is once you got the guys that can do the restoration on the car properly that don't care what it you know what the value is at the end of it because they they liked doing it. They yeah, wanted like driving it. Yeah, you know, and I mean, that really that's what it comes down to. Like getting getting that seat of the pants value mm-hmm. of a car that you want to drive and be able to you know i mean when you go to the track and and really run with some guys because those 914s man the thing is like a stinking go-kart man it the is it that, is the funnest go-kart ever yeah yeah and, and the, what's really funny about it is all the people that would hate on the 914s are the people that have never been in them yeah because when you get out of the 914 if you don't have a smile on your face from ear to ear I, you just weren't driving it right because well, that is fun car. It's such a drivable car. You know the the, the the position, the seating position. I mean, looking at the car, if you went blank piece of paper, I don't think you'd draw that car. Nobody would draw that car. But Porsche knew something when they thought, okay, we need to go with a small, short platform. Even back when that car came out, it was a small car. I mean, today it's it with cars getting smaller than when they were in the seventies. Imagine being in the seventies. Like every car you have is twice as long and and a third wider, and and you're mm-hmm. in the little nine fourteen, but those those cars are, it is they are a go kart. You are a few inches off the ground, and you look out the window and you see lug nuts, yeah. right? So it's down there, but it was the mid engine configuration that was what they put into the nine seventeen that they dominated with. Yeah, and so it for performance, it was such a great platform, and with the cars only worth so much, people are like, I want more power. This thing only has seventy six horsepower. I want more power, so they would start swapping motors in them. Right. Right, and so now they're putting a 911 motor in it, and then they're putting a small block Chevy in the thing, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. and and they're all different flavors. It's just like you say, the segmentation of of the Volkswagen groups. It's very much the same with this. Those are the outlaw 914s. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think nine be, be, and, and that gave people lots of reasons to get crazy with the 914 because they were, you know, poo pooed as far as a as far as a vehicle to have, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, if a guy's looking to spend some money and you got, you know, 10, 15 grand to go and you want a done, like done driver car that's been gone through or whatever, you can get a super nice one for, for that kind of money to where the early 911s have been priced. The early 911 has been priced so far out of the reach of the average person. Mm -hmm. And it almost, they're so expensive now, they just come with a different status when you have that car, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of people that are buying them, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they're not enthusiasts, but I don't think they're like, you know, they're more like the image of the car than the guys that are going to get mm-hmm. those cars and, and, and actually just wrench on them and that kind of stuff. So the 914 is still in that space. The 914 is, 
I mean, it belongs to the VW people. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's the VW people's, it's the pinnacle of the VW performance mm-hmm. for a track. Don't get me wrong. Beatles are known for being the fastest at the drag strip. But if you're talking road course, 914 is going to be your most value for your money because you have to do hardly anything to it to make that car run. I, mm-hmm. I told the story before on the podcast when I was at Spring Mountain Motorsports Ranch over here and I was driving my 996 at a 99996 mm-hmm. um, Carrera 4. And I was just on the hammer, man. And I was like hitting the straights. I was trying to get, I was going to the back straight, trying to get to 110. And every time I was driving, man, I'd get in the corners and this dude was on my bumper to 914. And I get in the pits and I'm thinking like, that he's probably got to work over 914. And I look at it. I'm like, oh, that's kind of busted up looking. And I go, hey, what motor you got? And I think it's like, ah, I got a 1.8 liter. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's just, because he's just floorboarding the thing and, he, and he, it's just a go-kart, you know? Well, that, that's really the joy of that car. I have several 914s. I've got an Outlaw 914 with a V8 in it. I've got a, a Real 6 with a race motor in it that actually has a track record on Laguna Seca that's a hell of a lot of fun to drive. Really? But the one that I built is always going to be the one that's the closest and nearest and dearest to my heart. And I'll take that that car out on rallies and, you know, kind of like what you did with the show. And how much were you working to keep up with those other cars and perform like that? You had to use all of your skills. Yeah to yep. do that right oh, yeah. so if i go get a 930 with 700 horsepower and i drive it with all of my skills i'm gonna get arrested or dead right but in the 914 i can have a hell of a lot of fun oh yeah yeah just wringing its neck and and just yeah pushing that car as hard as you can yeah and so it's it's the joy of that because it's your adrenaline it's your pulse it's the sounds it's the smells it's the feel the feedback that you get in that car you're really in touch with everything and you are not disconnected. You're not checking your, your email on your phone or texting. Right. You're engaged yeah. the whole time. Speaking of engaged, I do. One thing I noticed about the 914 is how unbelievably sloppy that shifter feels from the factory. The 901s are a special thing, but you put the proper um, parts back on them and bushings and get them tuned up. And they're not as bad as what you would think. So if, if it's all brand new parts to the entire shift linkage, like it shifts, it feels much because every knife or have ever been in the shifter, <laughs> the shifter feels quite sloppy, Yes, you know, and not and, and the advantage we have with VWs is they just change the fulcrum point and now we've got super short four speed shifters. But with the nine, with the 911 motor over the 914, it has the dog leg first. Mm-hmm. And so it's always been a funky like because it's going mid-engine and all the way back and then the the shift linkage bends around a corner you know what i mean and all that kind of swoops up Mm -hmm. um do they make anything that do you guys sell anything that tightens it up or you you just sell all the factory stuff or you guys sell a few modded factory things there's you you put the bushings back in there that need to be in there that are plastic and are probably broken and you line things back up properly put the cups back on them um, there's some things that you can do to tune them up. And then in the shifter itself, you can change out the springs. There's, there's some things that you can do, but it, my car has everything done to it. So I, it, I'm spoiled with that one. And so I, your shifter feels good and reliable. Like it feels, yeah. you get that muscle memory yeah. and you can shift nice yeah. and clean. And so we picked up the six and it had, um, a vague shifting in it. And so we did a little video with my wife. We had some friends that do a podcast in LA and they were talking about when we drive, I'm just in my, she's in her Zen place. And I'm just thinking about the next corner. We don't even talk because it's, I'm just so focused. And, and so we kind of made a video kind of poking fun at it. And and you ever been the passenger seat in your own car with somebody that you're not sure if they know how to drive and just sitting there with that angst. 
yeah. right? So I, we, my wife and I just have some fun and we were hamming it up. We did a little video and I'm, I'm mansplaining how to drive. Right. And what's hilarious is she used to race like Mopar stuff with the track and beat the guys so she can actually drive. But she's acting like the dumb blonde, and I'm just being the dick that just telling her, "Oh no, don't do this! Don't use the transmission to brake. Use the use the brakes. Transmissions are expensive. Brakes are cheap. Right? <laughs> just all this ass That's talking funny. over there, and she's just just doing this. But in the video, you can see she's trying to find the gear, and you can't find the gear because the linkage is broken. So that was kind of the premise of some of the funniness in that video. But now that we've got that fixed, it is just clunk, 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 clunk. It's all right where it's supposed to be. And, and none of those parts, because it, because it was a short run for the vehicle, when VW's, maybe VW's attitude was like, well, we're done with that. Once we're out of production of parts, we're not making them anymore. And, and they became like... It was worse than that. Super expensive to find just little rubber bushings and little small pieces and all little smalls that, didn't, that weren't being remade. Well, the, the joint venture itself was a handshake agreement. Mm-hmm. between Volkswagen and Porsche. And when the head of Volkswagen died, the new guy came on and said, what are we doing this for? Right. What are we doing this ugly car for? Let's get rid of this thing. I got a good idea with this rabbit. Yeah. So, you know, they weren't. They there was some issues going right from the start. And then, you know, fast forward to later on and the parts that were available out there that were new old stock have evaporated. And so, yeah, it was, it was tough. And there are some things that cross over so people would figure out fixes of, to use a Volkswagen part here or whatever. But. So you were down in town for uh, AutoFest. What else did you do while you were down here? There was, there, was, there was a few things that were going on. Why don't you tell uh, our listeners what, what was happening over here and who were you kind of hanging out with? So our good friends um, from Dura Fascination, um, John Pollock, JP, uh, and Mikey, Mikey Hashtags. I've borrowed Mikey Hashtags car. If you're on Instagram, you can look it up. And it's on our Instagram account as well with some of the pictures. And he has kind of a rat rod of, of 914. It's a 1.7 that has the the vaguest transmission I've ever driven in a 914. <laughs> there's, there's no, it's just, it's in this area somewhere. So people make the joke that it's like a, a, a paint stirring stick in a paint can full of sand trying to find where the gears are at. Right. And it's, it's very much that car. So I'm driving that car over here today. Uh, Mikey was kind enough to loan that to me and uh, I'm, I'm, he's going to get a care package of, of uh, some transmission upgrades when I get home. (laughs) So you were, you not only were you looking for my, for looking for my studio, you were looking for the gears too on your way over here. Oh yes. Very much. (laughs) Very much. You're going from fifth to third. You get the general idea, but when you first get in the car and, and, Here's second gear. Wait, reverse. There's no, that's supposed to be a dog leg. Why is it in the middle? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, but it, it, what's so cool is like, the, that's how reliable the cars are. Even in like busted up shape, they still run. Uh, that car runs amazing. Fairly decent. Yeah. I mean, it, it needs love, but the cars do good to be driven. Air-cooled yeah. cars do not like to sit. And so driving them does good things for them. And when you talk about what's happening with the values, it wasn't just the 356 guys starting to get into it. It's other people starting to realize that, hey, these are cool. And more of the analog movement. I want the early air-cooled stuff. So right. Lufka Colt show and... and um, Did they allow 914s in Lufka Colt? 914s were featured at Lufka Colt this Oh, show. really? Yeah. Really? 50th yeah. anniversary for the 914s and the 917s. Nice. So they were prominent last year, but this year they were featured. So it was a very big corral of 914s. And um, I was down here for the weekend for Auto Fest that was happening last uh, yesterday. And then this morning uh, we had 
uh, Der Fascination does Cars und Café, um, a Cars and Coffee event that they do in the Arts District in downtown. That's a good way to front, like you know German, just und, uh, und. Da, da, this yeah, is. Das, und. <laughs> Nein. <laughs> so we did our Cars and Coffee this morning, and then we did a professor run after um, that where we went out for a nice drive this afternoon. Um, and and where do you go on the professor run? Explain to everyone what the professor run is. Uh, ben is from Los Angeles, and he puts together runs through the hills um, in L.A. Uh, about every couple months. And so, great guy, um, helps everybody out, puts these drives together, and, and people kind of flock to Ben. He's one of those magnetic personalities. He's just a really neat guy, and um, puts these things together, and he's a walking encyclopedia of, of all things Porsche, so he knows the histories and the variants and, and very passionate about the cars and driving them and and the rich history of that particular car and uh servicing what's there rather than trying to restore it and making it something new he appreciates the the analog nature of the car and the 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 soul of the car and 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 so on today's drive with the professor that you guys did where where did you go where was the drive at not being local i'm gonna torture it so i'm not really sure (laughs) so you guys went up through uh the henderson area or you guys went out to red rock or you guys went out to Valley of Fire, or uh, we went to Pioneer um, Saloon for mm-hmm. for breakfast after the show. So yeah. that area, yeah. So everybody knows. So Pioneer Saloon's out there in Good Springs. Okay. So you guys looped out to Good Springs, went towards State Line, and then up through that area. Yeah. Yeah, through Sandy Valley, probably Sandy Valley. Yes. Yeah, there's some stuff in Sandy Valley. A lot of, uh, believe it or not, they they farm a lot of sod out there. You oh. know, it's the middle of nowhere, but uh, sod in the desert. Go figure. But uh, yeah, there's lights. There's there's a ton of, uh, you know, I you saw my nine fourteen project that may not be not, it may no longer be mine after the next couple of days. I got a buddy of mine that really wants it bad. <laughs> but I, I definitely should grab on to nine fourteens right now. I'm I'm uh, well, you know, I'm a collector of fine things as you've seen my yard my yard <laughs> art out here. But I, I definitely would like to get uh, a nine fourteen a nice driver just to go out and drive. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're just such a, they're just such a fun car to drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, anybody's looking for some inexpensive performance right now. I, I see, you know, my opinion, um, and I play a car expert sometimes on TV, but my opinion is the 914, 944, Wander valued, and they're going to put, they're going to keep pushing. I think mm-hmm. the 944 is, you can still find those for 1500 bucks for mm-hmm. non-runners and and it was designed to replace the 911. Yeah, the transaxle cars are are the next thing to come up, but the 914s are just getting started. Yeah, and then and the good thing about the 914s is there's enough of them out there that you can you can still snag you can still snag project cars for a couple grand or less, you know, and it's getting very hard to find them. Yeah. I mean, they're they're out there, but you know, a couple grand or if you're if you're set a budget for 5 grand, you should be able to find a nine fourteen for five grand. That you, it's a door slammer. You get in it and you can drive it today, while you're. It's getting harder, it harder and harder to find that car. Yeah. Well, this is Vegas, so Vegas. There's certain market markets when you're searching Craigslist that, like, if you're looking for a Porsche for Craigslist, like nine eleven, mm-hmm. you go to Phoenix. The Phoenix market is cheaper for nine elevens. You're looking for nine fourteens. You come here to Vegas because. This hillbilly town over here. I mean, there's like so many guys that they would buy it because it. It was a VW, and they would be pilfered parts off of it until they realized not much crossed over to a Beetle, but the motors they would like, they would take them for their late model buses or whatever. But there's there's a fair share of them out here that are that are available, but it's just trying to find the right year and the right and the right ones. 
Um, as far as the year goes, I think they all have something to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be obviously variations. Some people like the rubber bumper, bumper look. Um, the majority of people prefer the steel bumper look, but it's it's just whoever's the loudest is, is who you're hearing. Yeah, um, it's to drive them and get in there um, and have some fun with them. It really doesn't matter. Um, there's obviously different performance values to the different motors and what they can do, but these cars get they get worked on and tuned up and and improved. You have more of a movement as the values of the cars come up that they want to make them correct. And uh, you know a lot of the fuel injection components have all gone away because it was easy it was too hard to keep the thing running so they would go to carburetors and try to get a little more power and once once you've gone that way then try once to put you've that got back carbs off. you never go back yeah uh, I, I think mean fuel- a lot of people are trying to do their to redo the fuel injection i mean yes. the, the one that i bought i thought like i mean i gave it a whole hard 30 minutes like i'm gonna get this fuel injection running <laughs> after i started touching everything and everything was dry rod whenever i'm like now nah, yeah. we're just gonna pop these off I, I want this motor to run now so i fired up that motor in that car that i had found it had a sucked valve but within two hours i had fuel pump pulled out all the stuff pulled out hardwired a, a, a fuel pump in line ran it to the carburetors and i got the thing to start so it, it's a it's one of those things where um path of least resistance yeah you i mean it's the easy fix but really i think if if we're talking porsche like porsche vw really had that fuel injection dialed in on those cars like if they i've never had one that runs never had a square back that runs with fuel injection every time i get them because i'm always on the cheap you know what i mean but every time i always get them we pull that stuff off put cars but i think if you get the right you know i think if you had it tuned properly i think that that factory efi probably runs really good you know it does it's just the getting it to that point so we've started making parts to be able to service those to make them work again um whether it's hose kits or wiring harnesses or whatnot um like the throttle position sensors would always have a dead spot in them because that's where you were cruising at. Mm-hmm. So there's that, that's where the throttle was at and it would wear that part of the board out. So we'd make the boards that you could pop in to replace them, things like that. But really, you know, having a, a car that if I'm going to go to rallies in a lot of different altitudes, it, fuel injection is the way to go. And that's kind of in that build story. When I was doing that, that car in the build off, mm-hmm. we wanted to get to Atlanta by nine fourteen, and I'm not quite done. And all of a sudden on the news, there's a hurricane that's coming through and it's going to hit there. I don't know what kind of roads are going to be, if it's going to be canceled. I got to drive from five days from Oregon out there. Sure. So if I pull it back off the trailer, it gives myself two more days. I'll go to a different event in Colorado instead. So I've got the car running. I've got it on the trailer tuned to this altitude with a carb on it. I get up to Colorado at however many thousand feet, 11,000 feet or whatever. And it doesn't really want to run so much. So right. I did the worst thing possible and grabbed a screwdriver, not knowing what the hell I'm doing. And that wasn't very fun. Let trip. me adjust this. <laughs> well, you can fix it. Give I me saw, some tools. I saw a guy in a O'Reilly's commercial do this. Hand me that screwdriver. <laughs> Flathead or Phillips, either will be fine. <laughs> Hold so, my beer. I got this. <laughs> yeah. I saw this on Dukes of Hazard one time. Step back. So at that point, I got the advice that, you know, what you need is a fuel injection system. You need to talk to Mario at the dub shop, which many of your listeners will already know. Yeah. And so Mario really helped me get that sorted out. And so we did a micro squirt fuel injection system on it with independent throttle bodies. And when I had done the build on this car, I had gone with a more aggressive cam on it. So I couldn't go back to the to the factory fuel injection. Sure. So now I have a, a 1.7 that is dynoed at the wheel at 86 horsepower which is that's a lot of power for such 
for a 1.7. Yeah, and it's got just a really smooth power curve, a lot of torque to it, and a nice. So you've got fuel. So yours is fuel injected with with micro squirt uh, EFI controller, mm-hmm. and the throttle. You have throttle like a CB performance throttle bodies. Yes. So you got the, the, the 44 millimeter throttle bodies. Mm-hmm. Because I've got in my garage that you saw that's a little bit unorganized right now, a little <laughs> bit. I'm like a hurricane came in here, but hidden in there is lots of gems like fuel injection, turbo setups, and all that stuff. And uh, I, I have a, a set of that uh, that EFI, and I've got the CB brain, and uh, I I'm, I have never been a fan. The, my favorite fuel injection that I've ever had on a car because I've had the CB setup. And then I had the uh, SDS, and then uh, finally on the gear that you saw that I had out there, the the final fuel injection I had on that was Motec, which is mm-hmm. it was a little expensive. It's a little expensive, <laughs> but it ran like a ran like a mofo yes. on the on. I mean, like it started. I had an Audi push button start in that car yes. on that Type Thirty Four gear. I'd push that button, and the thing would just idle. Boom, no questions. Nice, almost to the point where I thought like. Maybe I should make all my cars fuel injection and just and just put a harness and move the brain from car from car to car when I drive. Yeah, keep that bass tune on it so it starts right up. Right, right. because it, it it's so nice. But you, so on your fuel injection your fuel injected nine fourteen that car still runs strong, no problems. Start it up, get oh, moving. Yeah. The, the, you're, so the micro squirt you're a big fan of. Once you get it sorted out, yes. Yeah, so it is a some some assembly required project for sure. So when you got it, so, so you did the micro squirt yourself on it. Yeah, Carrie and I did. So mostly carry, and you had no experience with fuel injection before that. No, we had to learn. So it's uh, it, it's quite and a wiring and and yeah. So we wanted we thought we'd be slick and we want to make this car with make it look like it was maybe a factory fuel injection. Well, of course it's not factory. You got these right. big IDFs sticking out of it, but the harness we we're going to put it back into the original ECU the box oh, and grief. put it in there, and we're going to use the original color factory wiring wrap and all this stuff we're going to upgrade it we're going to use the marine stuff that has the self-adhesive inside right we can remember that is that ecu is built for you know running v8s and everything else you got 32 pins coming out you don't need half of those sure and so now i've taken this shrink wrap and sucked it up against it now i'm putting tension on those outer ones that are on the outsides pulling of them it, in. pulling them Bad in connections and pin number one is power so I drive this thing for 1,500 miles, love it, no issues, no problems. All of a sudden, it's blah, 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 blah. it's having problems, and I I go and and I'm wasting, I'm cooking wasted sparks right and left. Can't figure out what's going on. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. it's just it's it's dropping off signal. I think I've got an issue where I've got signal interference with my um, coil. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. We pull the motor back out. We go through all the stuff. We track this down. We isolate the wires. We replace components. Put it back in. I'm still having issues. Finally, we realized that what had happened is, is that it was losing connection on the power. And if it loses it for a nanosecond, it thinks it's time to restart the car. It's overfueling oh, it. Grief. It's overdwelling it. And they're cooking the wasted spark. And it was that the male and female of that outer pin had been bored out just enough from vibration over that 1,500 miles that now it was just getting enough of a gap in there. If it loses it for a nanosecond, it's trying to start it over. So once we fix that, then all of a sudden it's just super reliable again. Wow. And what's cool about it is now that I have that, I have this really cool test bed for parts that we put on the 914 as we start to do more performance stuff. Yeah. Because now I can get my shadow dash and I can record and see what kind of G's am I pulling? What's my motor doing? And we started doing suspension components with IBOC. 
So now we've oh, nice. got 100 pound springs and 140 pound progressive springs that I'm really looking forward because we replaced absolutely everything else in the suspension other than the springs. And now iBox makes is, is working with you guys with springs yep. so that you guys can sell specific springs that go on the factory strut. Yep, we manufactured with them to come up with what we wanted for the factory strut because we really believe that the 914s were detuned. Because a tuned 914, you already said it, in the, on oh, yeah. the track, it's really hard to, to keep up with them. Well, if that outperformed the 911, how are they going to sell the 911? Yeah. Yeah, why would people go buy the 911 if they could get it for half the price drive of the 914 at the VW dealership? With more, more, yeah, if you gave it more horsepower, and, you, and yeah, you would outperform them on the track and everywhere else. So getting it back to what we think it was supposed to be, these are some of those steps to be able to do that. So that 100-pound sport spring brings a lot more liveliness to it and i'm really excited to be able to start to test these using that shadow dash to be able to look and say okay here's what the g's were actually pulling because you can look at the car and have a video you can see how much the car is tilting or whatever but to have that kind of information that you can kind of really get some data to understand how is it better or not yeah it's, it's a whole it's, it's a whole different world now in, in building and designing parts because everybody from the from the front seat of their car has that we now have the technology that we can record so much data and do your own research and your own you know your own test lab essentially you can build your own in your own car so i think it's awesome i i'm look for, i'm looking forward to the technology of reproducing parts and and the continuation of you know especially with the new manufacturing processes that might make it easier for you guys to make certain parts we talked earlier you said um, some parts that you were trying to get made out of fiberglass that you're now doing with um thermal forms thermal forming mm -hmm. so uh, you were having some challenges. You, you had parts that were being made out of fiberglass, had challenges with the fiberglass suppliers and couldn't get, couldn't meet demand, obviously, well, and, or and get consistency, probably. Yeah, and it's a harder material to work with. So if you're doing an interior stuff and you want to be able to staple into it and trim it and things like that, it's not as easy a material to work with. So we were producing things still for the hands-on guy that could do this and had some skills. You mm -hmm. got a, a press board that took water and is wasted. You have to harvest the parts off of that old back pad and put them on the new back pad. Here's the material to be able to do that. And it's a, it's a process. It's not for the layman. So getting some videos and things in place to be able to show, this is what the process really is. This is the material you give to the guy that does upholstery so he can fix it. Um, but making it so maybe here's, it's a higher level of skill needed to do this project, but this is how it goes together. And your website's full of those videos. Not yet. So I, mean, I saw some on there, so or some we, instructions, a lot of instructions on there. Yeah, we we've started posting some of them. We've have a lot of community support, so some of the videos that are on there are people that have done videos for us to put the parts on their car, on our car or their cars, Very cool. to help the rest of us. And I've got a lot of that stuff that I have to edit, but I you know finding the time to do that and the website and all the rest of the stuff has been you challenging. Need to grow a third arm, bro. I just need a cloning machine. So third arm and an eye on the back of your head, so the guy, the arm and the eye can be computing and calculating things while you're <laughs> while you're doing the social media or the networking or being out there talking to people and going yep. to events and all that kind of stuff. So speaking of that, what's the what, what are the next events people are going to catch you at to come to come talk to you, come say hey, what's up? And that's a, that's going to be a big discussion here for tomorrow. I'm meeting with my brother so we can try and figure out what a budget is and what uh you know we we have employees now so um a lot of people are really impressed impressed with what we're able to do or how fast something ships and that, i can't take any credit for that at all it's our people in the shop like scott that's a full-time job for him kate that's in the office that it takes care of the books and and helping with the reordering of things blake that's helping us with the website Topher that helps us with production um 
uh, Taylor that does the eBay stuff. So there's a lot of nepotism with friends and family still. Sure. Um, but well, that's where you go first. Man. You don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to underpay people you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, painful. When, when it's when listen when it's when it's a labor of love, it's tough because I think when people see the passion that you put into things, they want to help and they're yes. willing to give a little sweat equity for it but it's you know it's what makes the community the community it is you know and, and it what makes it people appreciate the people in the community i mean like for me to do this podcast bring other things for people to listen to um you know i don't i don't get paid to do this and but i do it i do it for the cause for the for the community i mean sure it'd be great if i got paid for it but mm-hmm. that's that's secondary that's last my my main thing is like to to bring the community together, the VW exactly. community on, on all levels. And, and someone can listen to this podcast and get to know so much more in an hour of listening to this podcast than like calling you guys and trying to get, trying asking to asking other people, yeah, who are these guys? Mean, what yeah. do you know? So yeah, no, I think it's great, man. So, well, hopefully uh, if any of our, so any of our listeners out there want to reach out to you and get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? So, uh, 855-914-GUYS is our phone number. Um, our website is 914rubber.com. Uh, you can find us on social media on Facebook at 914rubber and Instagram at 914rubber. And we have a 914rubber YouTube channel that there's links to off of our 914rubber site. And so what we're working on right now is to try and get a lot of these videos of the events that we've gone to, people's stories about their cars, how to work on the cars. Um, to be able to get those produced and get them out there a little bit more frequently so people can and, and see what we're doing and what we're up to and, and hopefully enjoy what you see and, and want to see more. No, that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you for coming into the podcast. And anything you want to leave any of our uh, listeners with, anything, anything new coming up that they should be on the lookout for? Right now what we're working on that we are in destructive testing on is a new relay for the, for the car. So we've made a solid-state relay. we got doing the build on my car alone we had went through three or four out of the box brand new parts to try and i was just going to replace the car with new parts and three or four out of those were just bad right from the beginning so our friend got stuck on the side of the road my brother got stuck on the side of the road you know failed relays so we think there's a need for it for our cars and we think everybody else will need them as well so that's our big project but for all the listeners um after um, probably Wednesday of this week by the time I get some time to go in and do it if you go to 914rubber.com let's talk dubs all one word uh, we're going to put up a 15% discount code for you if you want to buy something off of the website that you can come and do that nice well good deal guys you heard it here man so if you guys want to get a discount go there to uh, to 914rubber.letstalkdubs.com and uh, they'll they'll get that uh, forward slash let's forward talk slash dubs yep. let's talk dubs.com so you guys get your uh Get your little discount on there for listening to the show, and uh, and that's part of what the community is about, guys. So, well, well, Matt, I'm sure we'll have you back on. I'm sure you'll be back out here in Vegas for something else. I'll be back down for SEMA. It's probably the next thing. Yeah, and uh, for sure. And anytime you guys have anything new coming up to market, and you want to reach out to the VW VW World, man, this is a platform for that. So happy to do. Feel free to reach out to us. We can always get you on Skype and get you on and talk about some new things that are happening. And uh, We'll keep our listeners out there to see what happens with my 914 project, which I think tonight it may be going to a new home. And I may get another one here shortly. Get another one soon. So, yeah, I, I want one that's more um, get in, sit down, turn the key, drive it, and, <laughs> and fix it while I'm driving it. Because I think on the on the project side of vehicles, if you buy something that's running, even if it's not running good, but it runs and you can like, okay, it needs X, Y, Z, 
but to be able to drive it to the store to get a big gulp and drive it home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that just keeps enough motivation. I, I'm living that right now. So thank you, Craigslist. Um, or damn you, Craigslist, one of the two. <laughs> right. I, I picked up a project that is, it's got a lot of eyeball to it and it looks great. So you'll see a lot of the stories on it on, on YouTube and, and uh, on Instagram right now. There's a lot of really cool pictures up there. This car has a Chevy 350 um, small block in it, four bolt that's putting out probably 450 horsepower in this really? 914 and it is a running and driving car. So how, how is it to drive that thing? A little scary. It's yeah. a lot of fun though, yeah. but it's the scary part is, is I don't know the competency of the person that did the work in it. And right. I know the chassis stiffening and things like that, that it need to be done. So I'll go through and he Just got drive with a, a fire extinguisher man. and a helmet yeah. <laughs> yeah, helmet. and a diaper. Yeah. <laughs> it's the brown pants car. That's so, it. There'll be a lot of uh, stuff coming up on that one. So, Well, that's cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. And uh, for sure, we'll check back with you guys. Make sure you go check out 914rubber.com and uh, let them know Let's Talk Dub sent you guys. And until next time, man, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, brother. All right. Later. Well, if you guys enjoy that podcast, make sure you get an opportunity to support the podcast. Go to letstalkdubs.com slash store. Pick up one of our new t-shirts. They're 20 bucks. They're totally legit. And they say, what's your VW story on there? So if you guys want to support the podcast, you can do that as well as share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, uh, tag us wherever you can and make sure all and any of your VW friends that you guys share the podcast with so we can continue to keep growing the podcast. Ask your friends. You'll be surprised. Not a lot of people know what a podcast is. So, uh, you guys are enjoying it the best gift you can give to your friend is something that they can enjoy and listen to some vw talk while they're working or doing whatever they need to do so appreciate you guys for all your support that you do and wanted to give a couple shout outs a shout out to dub fab usa he says the only podcast i listen to he says this is the pulse of the vw scene man i knew i liked dub fab for some reason uh, also red a speed shop says uh, he's the, the, I'm the reason he started the reason I started my podcast. He says, I heard the first four episodes. Of Let's talk dubs and was hooked instantly. I'm on the East coast in the VWC since I was 15. I'm 47 and love Bill T George and the host of the cool VW innovations and creators. Awesome. 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 I'll be coming to Vegas for his swap meet and hope to have Bill visit the East coast with his celebrity bus. Keep the eighties alive. Well, guys, if you want to get a shout out, make sure you go to let's talk dubs apple podcast go to the preview you'll look at the bottom or if you're listening to your podcast now go down to the bottom hit rate and review click rate review give us five stars if you're not give us five stars keep it bro we don't need it we don't need your constructive criticism but uh anyway you guys like it make sure you go give us five stars the more stars you give us the more it goes to the top when people search for vw podcasts they'll find this one so appreciate all your help guys and uh keep doing what you do go out in the garage and get to wrenching later